Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Good morning and Merry Christmas. Great to see everybody. Christmas at church this weekend is a little bit like Christmas at home, not a lot of personal space. Nobody gets their own bed or bathroom or anything. Hey, it's great to see everybody here. You know, I say that every year. Do I really mean it? Well, of course. You know, the very babe that brings us together to celebrate made you and I a family. And he joys when his family is all together. So we just need to, we know Christmas is about family. We just need to broaden our idea of family. It includes our spiritual family, doesn't it? those that we worship and serve the Lord with. So we're excited to be here all together and prayerfully bringing joy to our Lord. Well, we are today finishing up a, a four-week series. We've been looking in the, in the Christmas story as told by the uh, Matthew in his gospel, those first two chapters. And we've been looking in particularly at places where Jesus was introduced to us, where we met him, who, who he is. And we have seen him as the Christ, the Messiah, the, the, the promised one, the fulfillment uh, of all prophecy. Then we met him as the savior of our sins. And oh, what a savior. And then last week, we saw him as the Son of God, very God himself. And today, we're going to be introduced to a king. So let's meet that king. If you have a a Bible or a Bible app with you that you want to use, open with me to Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to be looking at verses 1 through 5. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. It says there, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem saying, where is he who was born? Now here's the introduction, king of the Jews. We We just learned something else about him. Okay, he's king of the Jews. For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled. And all Jerusalem with him, and assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. And if you're familiar with the story, you know the wise men are going to track down Jesus and Mary and Joseph and uh, going to give him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. We're introduced here to a king. You know, I I think of the the titles that we've looked at in this series, I think maybe king is the hardest for us to grasp. Now, that might kind of sound like the exact opposite of what I might say. I mean, last week, trying to understand Jesus as this entirely human, entirely God being, that's a lot to grasp for the mind. Uh, Understanding him as savior, understanding him as uh, Messiah. Again, we need to understand what those words are. Those aren't words we use a lot. Understand what is meant by them. But when I say king, I mean, that doesn't need any definition, right? I mean, we all know what a king is. We can point to a king. We know what a king does. But here's why I think maybe it's hard for us to grasp just what it means that Jesus is a king because we don't actually live under a king. 
Being able to define a king or point to one somewhere else is not the same as living under a king or living in a kingdom. Let's, let's remember in our DNA, uh, there's a U.S. of A because we said no king. So there's a little bit of no king in all of us, and yet here we are meeting Jesus as king. And and when we don't understand that, boy, we miss something about Jesus, maybe misunderstand something about Jesus. So what do we want to know about him as king? Well, a lot of things, more than we're going to cover here this morning, but he is eternal king. He's always been king as far as you go backwards. He's always going to be king as far as you go forwards. He does not need to conquer someone, something. None of that needs to happen. He is already the eternal king. He is, uh, as a king, he owns everything in the kingdom. Do you realize you've never put your foot down where you weren't stepping on his property? He, He owns all of this. He is a king that has all power and authority. I didn't say he has a lot of power. I didn't say he has the most power. He has all of the power and authority. Now, you and I watch a lot of power and authority expressed around us, and everybody who uses power, everybody who uses authority gets it from God and will have to answer to God for what they did with that power and authority. This king, we can talk about his character a little bit, and since he has all power and authority, this is good to know, he's good. He is a good king, a loving king, a just king. Now again, I didn't say he's really good, he's the most good. I didn't say he met the standard and the definition of good. He is the definition of good. He doesn't meet a standard by that, he is the standard. He is entirely, perfectly good and just and loving. So there's just a really quick snapshot of this king who is entirely different from you and me. We're, We're a real contrast to this king because we're not good we're not loving. We're not just. Now, I would expect a little kickback there. I, I, I anticipate you saying, now, wait a minute. I'm, I'm pretty good. I'm better than a lot. I'm, I'm fair. I, I'm loving, and I know you are. But think about this. You and I often have to stop and think, hey, what's the loving thing to do here? What's the good thing to do here? And then, you know, get up the motivation to do that. You know what you never have to stop and think about? What's the mean thing to do right here? What's the unloving, the unkind? That happens automatic. That, that's our default mode. I don't have to stop and think about that. It just comes out. So see, my character is nothing like this king. You and I don't have the, the ownership. We don't have the power of this king. Now, I bet more than one of us in here thinks of ourselves as an owner of something, if not debt, right? <laughs> but we... We don't actually own things like we're talking about God owning things. We're no, we don't have power over things like God does. Here, here's how I would illustrate this. And, and you'll be glad you're here after you hear this this morning. Merry Christmas. I just want to say this ahead of time. <laughs> you have absolutely nothing internally to yourself or externally around you. You have nothing that you can't lose before we get to New Year's Eve. 
I can't think of a better definition of powerlessness. Now, are, are you going to lose something or everything between now and, and New Year's Eve? Hey, I'm going to go with the odds and say probably not. But we've all watched humanity all around us. At any moment, we can have and then not. Powerlessness. Man, when we start looking at all that he is, all that we aren't, I think we ought to be pretty much in awe of him, worshiping him. Maybe, maybe a little afraid, right? Maybe a little afraid of that much power, that much king. Oh, but he's a good king. He dips the scepter, if you will, to you and me and invites us into his presence and so much more than come in as a favored guest to the court. No, he he wants you to come in actually even more than a friend. He wants to adopt you. He wants you to belong in the royal court. Man, that's good. That's a good king. You know, he's so good We need to be careful. I bet you've never been warned uh, uh, about being careful with something that's good. Why would I need to be careful? It's just our nature. When something, someone's that good to me, it's kind of natural that in a little bit of time, I'll start to think I actually belong there. I'll start to think, hey, I'm owed this. Hey, I'm, I'm bringing something to the table. You know, the kingdom is a little better since God got me. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting, God, Jesus, has actually no need for us at all. No, no need for us. And I, I think that is an interesting thought because I, and this is an opinion, but I feel like modern Christianity, modern American Christianity, often presents, again, my opinion, kind of a needy and a desperate Jesus. Let me back up from that statement. Let me make another statement, and then I'll make that one over again. Jesus loves you profoundly. There's nothing, there's no one in this entire universe that loves you more than Jesus. You do not love you more than Jesus loves you. His great love for you does not mean a great need for you. See, that's different from us. Who do we often love the most? The people who meet the most needs in our life. We kind of live in this, hey, you do this for me, I do this for you. And, And I mean, love does get connected with a need. Jesus does not have that need. He doesn't love us because of a need he has in his life. Now, let me say this over again. Jesus... I believe, is being presented too often as a, as a needy, desperate Jesus who just wants you to like him and love him. We wrongly, and you can check me on this or ask me about it later, we wrongly, who's we? Well, I know pastors do it, and I bet some of y'all have too. We wrongly use Revelation 3.20 that pictures Jesus standing at a door knocking. We use that to suggest that Jesus is out in the cold and the rain knocking, saying, please let me in. I'll be, a, I'll be a good God. Hey, let me tell you all the things I can be for you and all the things I can do for you. Hey, l- let me in. And he's just out there waiting on you and I to decide if, if that's a real need in our lives or not. You know, if that's the picture, the understanding you have of Jesus, you do not have Jesus. You do not have the Jesus presented 
in scriptures. I'll give you an illustration from the scriptures. Historical relationship, historical conversation Jesus had. Young man, he was actually just referred to, we don't know his name, he's referred to as a, a rich young ruler. And the rich young ruler comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what do I need to do to get into heaven? What do I need to do to, you know, have some confidence that I'm in right standing, good standing with God? And now the scripture doesn't say this, but in, in my imagination, I kind of see Jesus smiling there and thinking, okay, I'll go along with you. And, and so Jesus answers him and he quotes six of the Ten Commandments. He says, hey, you need to do this. And he, and he rattles out these six. Why, I wonder why he doesn't mention all ten. The six commandments he quotes are the commandments that govern our relationship with each other. The four he leaves out are the commandments that govern our relationship with God. So Jesus rattles those off and the guy fires back and says, well, I've done all that. I think that's a little arrogant. <laughs> this is kind of like me. I'm like, okay, get him, Jesus. And you know, the next line actually says that Jesus loved him and felt compassion for him. You know, again, Jesus doesn't need, I've been using it one way, let me use it another way. Jesus doesn't need to conquer you. He doesn't need to defeat you. He doesn't need to show how bad you are. He doesn't need you to come and obey his set of rules just like he gave them. That, that's not what's going on when he enters a relationship with us. He doesn't need to conquer you. He feels love for this guy. And in that love, he says to him, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come follow me. Now, that's an, that's an interesting response. Remember the question on the table, how do I get to heaven? And Jesus' first response lists commands, commands that we see written in the Bible. But now Jesus says something that that's, that's not a command anywhere in the Old and New Testament. Yet, yet, Scripture talks to us about giving. Scripture talks to us about caring for the poor. But there's not a command. You have to give away everything you have. There, there's no command like that. So why now does Jesus all of a sudden put that in front of this guy? Because Jesus knows his heart. Yeah, you may be doing pretty good in your opinion on how you relate with others, but you're missing the very first command, to have nothing above God. And Jesus went to the heart of the issue to show him, hey, here's what you've got above God, what you worship above God. And the guy turns and walks away. He doesn't ask for elaboration. He doesn't say, well, what about? It, not, not only he just turns and he walks away. And you know what Jesus does? Jesus chases after him and says, please, 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 I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. No, 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 really, come on. I mean, there's like so many things I can do for you. I tell you what, when you're on your way home today and you stop at Walmart, just throw a 20 in the Salvation Army bucket and we'll call it even. Is that what Jesus said? Is that what Jesus did? You know what Jesus did? Let him walk away. He didn't run after him. He didn't chase him. He didn't, he didn't try to redo anything he had said. He let him walk away. When you and I have an encounter with God, it's not about God's need. Jesus comes into this world as a baby, no less, 
so that you and I have our best opportunity to see, to touch, to hear, to experience the living God in a way that we can grasp with Jesus putting on human flesh. That's our opportunity because God is good and God is loving. But you know what we need to understand about the king? The king loves because he's loving, not because we're lovable. The king forgives because he's forgiving, not because we deserve it. The king gives because he's giving, not because we're owed. You know, I can go on and on and on describing the king's character and how we benefit from it. But, but here's the bottom line. And, and really, honestly, everything I've said so far is just a context to get to this one line to understand what it means that Jesus is a king. And this one line is this. A relationship with Jesus is entirely on his terms. And we are entirely dependent upon his mercy. Think about an earthly king just for a second. You don't walk into the court of the king and tell him the way it's going to be. You don't walk into the court of the king and say, hey, I really love this about you and I love this about the kingdom. This part over here, not so crazy about, not really going to do that. You don't walk in and tell a king the way it's going to be. The king gets the privilege of doing that. He gets to be king. Is that the king you're worshiping this weekend, this holiday, this Christmas? Who is that baby in the manger? If you're still seeing kind of a, a tired, lonely, sad, please, please, please. Let me read one more description of our king. Of course, there in the, in the manger, that's uh, the entrance, his, his, his entrance into this world at his first coming. We have a description of the same king at his entrance at the second coming. Revelation 19, verse 11, a little bit different than the soft, cuddly baby. Then I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems, and he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven, arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were following him on white horses. From his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations, and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He will tread the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God the Almighty. On his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. In the manger we were introduced to him as the King of the Jews, but we come to understand he's actually the king of all kings, making him the king of all people. He's not asking to be your king. He is your king. And you and I enter that relationship and enjoy all the benefits of it, or we fight that relationship. Really, why? Because we all like being our own Who is that baby in the manger for you? Is he a king? A king worthy of your service and your loyalty and your devotion? 
Maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking, you know, I don't know that I have that king. I don't know that I understood this about Jesus. Hey, I, 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 maybe I am fighting that king. Maybe I need that king in my life. How, how do I do that? Well, you ask them. It's really that simple. That's what kings do. They take requests. And his answer to you is yes. Romans 10, 13 says, whoever calls on the Lord will be saved. I love the word Whoever. Whoever you are, whatever you've done, wherever you've been, when you ask, his answer is yes. Well, what is it I'm asking? What about if it was something like this? Kind of wrapping up our last four weeks. Jesus, I believe you are the Messiah, son of the living God, savior of my sins. Would you come into my life and take your position, your rightful position, position as my king. You know, when you ask that, his answer is yes. Even if you miss a word. It's not a, it's not a magic potion, magic formula we're reciting. It's the desire of our heart, and he knows what you're communicating in your heart. And I would imagine a lot of us in this room watching online today, we've, we've made a decision like that in our lives, haven't we? We've asked Jesus to take his rightful role in our lives. And boy, Christmas and a whole bunch of other things give us just a great opportunity to think about afresh and anew this king in our lives and how we're serving him, loving him, living for him because he's worthy, isn't he? Let's pray. Jesus, I would would pray for myself, for everyone in this room, for everybody watching online, that we would know the joy of the eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing, everywhere present, King of kings in our lives. And Lord, I would, I would pray that in every conversation, every decision, every relationship, I pray in everything going on in my life, it is clear to you I pray it's clear to everybody around me that there is a king, and he's my king. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.